Let us pray. Almighty God, in you are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Open our eyes that we may see the wonders of your word and give us grace that we may clearly understand and freely choose the way of your wisdom. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The first scripture reading is the 23rd Psalm. Listen for God's word to us. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. The word of the Lord. sacrifice and offerings, but an open ear. You do not ask for holocaust and victim. Instead, here am I. Here am I, Lord. Here am I, the book it stands written that I should do your will my God I delight in your law in the depth of my heart here am I Lord here am I Lord I come Justice I have proclaimed in the great assembly. My lips I have not sealed. You know it, O Lord. Here am I, Lord. Here am I, Lord. I I have not hid. 
forbidden your justice in my heart, but declared your faithful help. I have not hidden your love and your truth from the great assembly. Here am I, Lord, here am I, Lord, I come to do your The epistle reading comes from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 19 through 25. For it is a credit to you if, being aware of God, you endure pain while suffering unjustly. If you endure when you are beaten for doing wrong, what credit is that? But if you endure when you do right and suffer for it, you have God's approval. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When he was abused, he did not return abuse. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that free from sins we might live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were going astray like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. The word of the Lord. The Gospel reading is found in John's Gospel, chapter number 10, verses 1 through 18. Listen for God's word as we offer you the reading of the Gospel. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought them out, all his own, he goes on ahead of them. And his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, 
But the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, truly, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. This man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command. I received from my Father. The word of God for the people of God, let our response be. To the Presbytery of the James, the Commission, members and friends of the Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church. It is indeed my honor to offer this ordination and installation message on this occasion for this extraordinarily gifted clergy couple, Calvin and Joanna Sidner. I can think of no couple that is more ready to lead in these times in which we live than this couple. God has molded you for this moment and placed you on the stage of history to provide vital leadership to God's church. Equally extraordinary are the times in which we live. Churches no longer speak from a place of prominence and privilege in culture. They are learning to find their voice from the margins of the worlds in which we live. With institutional decline threatening from every vantage point, it is a moment in which we are in a critical dialectic of decision with regard to its future. This has been summarized by Mike Regella in his book, The Death of the Church, when he says, the institutional church has a choice. Either it will die as a result of its resistance to change, or it can choose to die in order to live. What is the critical and what is critical to the answer of this dilemma is not primarily one of theology, 
but one of leadership. We need leaders who understand the dynamics of how to navigate the treacherous waters of change. And we need people who have the courage and commitment to get on board. There is a word from the Lord today for, for this occasion about this challenge that rises right out of the text of the Gospel of John chapter 10. And we pose this rhetorical question as our theme today. Do you want a shepherd or a cowboy? There is a common thread that flows through each scripture that we have heard today. The beloved 23rd Psalm, which pictures God as a shepherd that guides, nourishes, and protects God's people. On the epistolary text of 1 Peter, which speaks to our waywardness as being similar to that of lost sheep who find their way home. And last but not least, this powerful passage from the Gospels in which Jesus gives us the Johannine vein. One of his great I am statements about being the model or the good shepherd. All of this is important because the church has historically considered the fourth Sunday of Easter to be Good Shepherd Sunday. It is a time to consider and appreciate the core of the gospel from the standpoint of the benefits of the work of Jesus Christ for our redemption, security, and hope for tomorrow. However, I want to develop these themes in a different way. In light of the contrast that Jesus creates here in John chapter 10 between the shepherd and the hired hand. The Bible often uses shepherds as an analogy for the type of leaders that Israel had and that of leaders in general. After the bad policies of Israel's kings resulted in the captivity and collapse of the nation, the prophet Jeremiah said this to the exilic community concerning its future. I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. The majority of Israel's kings were bad shepherds. If you go way back to the old covenant people's requests, they asked for a king just like the other nations. And God gave them exactly what they asked for. The ancient Near Eastern kings were ruling despots who would conscript the young of the nation into service, take the best of the land and the cattle, and use a large percentage of the people's resources for their own pleasure. God told them, when these things happen, you will cry out for deliverance from your king, but I will not hear you. Their narrow vision had only focused on the benefit of having a king to fight their battles for them. In time, God would give them a king, a king after God's own heart, not their values, and he would be a true shepherd to Israel. In this passage, Jesus sums up the essence of good shepherd leadership and contrasts it with what we will call cowboy leadership. The cowboy does not have an intimate interest vested in the sheep. 
It's just a job to him. The cowboy does not put his life on the line for the sheep. Fighting wolves is not what he signed up for. It's not in his job description. It's above his pay grade. So when the going gets tough, a cowboy gets going. A cowboy does not care about sheep. He cares about other things. Himself, getting paid, working with minimal risk, but nothing for the sheep. Cowboys don't lead flocks. They are notorious for driving the herd with noise and brutality. The problem is that they don't lead. They only know how to push. We have created here in America a cowboy culture which has been glamorized through cinema. Men who use violence or the threat of violence as a means to secure a desired end. It's not surprising to me that we have had so many cowboy leaders in all areas of life who are quick to prey on the fears and insecurities of the general public in order to secure an outcome based on manipulation. Even Wayman Jennings said, Mamas, don't let your babies grow up to be cowboys. This form of leadership will ultimately only break your hearts. My prayer to God is for the day when we can watch all cowboy leaders ride off into the sunset once and for all. But in contrast to cowboy leadership is shepherd leadership. Shepherds are intimate with the sheep. There is a relational culture built between shepherds and sheep. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Shepherds take the time of doing the relational work that's necessary to create trust. Because our fear of each other is based largely on ignorance. We are ignorant of each other because we don't communicate with each other. That is why the taking the time to do relationship building is so important. A good shepherd will defend and, if necessary, take the risk of putting their lives on the line for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Good leaders are constantly pouring themselves out for the benefit of those that they lead. But take care, leaders. One can only pour out so much at a time without also taking time to renew oneself through adequate Sabbath practice. Let it not be said of us what is said in the book of Song of Solomon, that I have labored in another's vineyard, but my own vineyard have I not kept. Shepherds will lead, nourish, protect, and correct the flock as a manifestation of love and care for the flock. A genuine leader is not a searcher for consensus, but a molder of consensus, says Dr. King. We, however, must beware that there is always the danger of cowboys masquerading as sheep, both outside and within the church. In John Calvin's commentary, on chapter 10 of John, he said this, 
Nothing is more desirable than that the church should be governed by good and diligent shepherds. Christ declares that he is the good shepherd who keeps his church safe and sound, first by himself and next by his agents. Whenever there is good order and fit men hold the government, then Christ shows that he is actually the shepherd. But there are many wolves and thieves who wearing the garb of shepherds wickedly scatter the church. Whatever name such persons may assume, Christ threatens that we must avoid them. Our leadership is what the Bible calls being an under-shepherd. And if we are good under-shepherds, we are because in some way we mirror the one who alone is the good shepherd. The epistolary writing says, I exhort the elders among you to tend the flock of God. That is your charge. Exercising the oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you do it. Not for sordid gain, but eagerly. Do not lord it over those in your charge, but be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will win the crown of glory that never fades away. So Calvin and Joanna, be good shepherds. Hear the words of Dr. Martin Luther King when he says the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands in times of challenge and controversy. May I stress the need for courageous, intelligent, and dedicated leadership, leaders of sound integrity, Leaders not in love with publicity, but in love with justice. Leaders not in love with money, but in love with humanity. Leaders who can subject their particular egos to the greatness of the cause. Calvin and Joanna, be good shepherds. Put your hand in the chief shepherd's hand and let the Lord lead you. For he alone can supply all your needs. He alone can give you rest and renewal by still waters. He alone can lead in right paths for his name's sake. He alone will be with you in the darkest valley. He alone can give you comfort and peace that passes all understanding. He alone can prepare a table before you in the midst of your enemies. He alone anoints you and makes your cup overflow. He alone brings you goodness, mercy, and life everlasting. Now may the God of peace, who brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, make you complete in everything good, so that you may do his will, working among us that which is pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever. And, and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen.